0: Business, leadership, high performance, the journey. Hey, welcome everybody to the Patrick Metzger Show. And we have a fantastic guest today. And uh, our guest today is known as the entrepreneur philosopher. And he has a ridiculously awesome story of really how and where he's come to be. Um, as well as who he's all helped along the way. So his story really starts out how, uh, even as a young child, he he learned not to leave things a chance, um, as he learned to be self-sufficient in treating uh, the genetic blood disorder, uh, hemophilia, that he suffered from. Uh, From there, he published his first book at age 14, immigrated to the U.S. at 16 without his family, and had already started and exited his first company by the age of 21. And his work has been featured in everything from Harvard Business Review to Inc. and Forbes. Uh, He's spoken on the TEDx stage. It has also counseled some of the top corporate leaders from Fortune 500 companies all the way down to your very uh, startup entrepreneurs. So I'm extremely excited to have him on the show today to really dive into his story Uh, what he does with entrepreneurs and his philosophy around entrepreneurship and really how every single one of us possess the power to truly shape our own destinies uh, through obstacles and opportunities. So, welcome to the show today and joining us from California is Sid Mohassib.
1: Thank you for having me, Patrick. It's uh, wonderful to be with you and with your audience and thanks for the the introduction.
0: You bet, absolutely. So, just so the audience knows, I mean, Sid... uh, Sid has a wealth of experience. I mean, as an educator, um, he's taught strategy, finance, venture capital, uh, all the way um, from undergrad to MBAs, graduate level engineers uh, at USC, um, University of California, Irvine, um, and then has also taken all these principles and such and really directly applied them within business by working with, I mean, man, some of the top business leaders in the world. So I'm really excited for, for Sid, for you to share with the audience, just the wealth of knowledge that you have around entrepreneurship, around really shaping our own destinies, like I said, and and really kind of what you've come to see, uh, around entrepreneurship and, and kind of your, your philosophies and such that you've really formed around it and kind of how you help entrepreneurs. So, uh, Excited to dive back into your story, and um, really, man, you're one of the most respected minds on the topic of entrepreneurship, so I'm going to let you take it from here, man. Take us back to kind of the beginning of your journey, Sid.
1: Thank you, Patrick. You set the bar high. Now I have to uh, dazzle your audience with brilliance, which would be difficult, but I'll try. <laughs> so, so um, as, as you mentioned, um, I, I came to the United States as an immigrant by myself and um, and quickly learned uh to uh if you would uh, find friends build trust uh and and learn this idea that uh that we are we're really uh in charge of our own destiny and i call it from the the, the, the travel from our origins to our originality whatever our origins are uh, we are on a journey to find our own origins and and tap into our authentic self so Let me start at the end of the journey, which is uh, probably a couple of months ago with 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 my recent book, uh, which is called You Are Not Them, because I think it uh, encapsulates a lot of the philosophies that I have learned over the years. uh, And I think uh, it's a good place to start. Uh, So you are not them is exactly uh, talks about exactly what the title says that, that you're not somebody else. You are you. And uh, and, and the subtitle is the, uh, the, the Authentic Entrepreneur's Way. So if you look at all entrepreneurs, they're all different. Warren Buffett is different than um, Bill Gates, who's different than Steve Jobs, from Elon Musk, from Oprah Winfrey, from you name it. They're all different. Uh, they're different because they have their own philosophy. So the question is, how do you build that philosophy? And uh, what I have learned over the 30 years is life and entrepreneurship is not uh, like going to IKEA and getting a bookcase with a with a very clear and sometimes <laughs> a little confusing list of to do. You know, get A <laughs> connected to piece B, screw it on the corner, and take now. I mean, it doesn't work that way.
0: It'd be nice if it was uh, only like that.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think it would be pretty damn boring, actually. <laughs> that's, uh, true. that's true. But, you know, we're all different. We, 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 we have different pieces that connect in different ways because our experiences are different. Our characters are different. Our origins are different. And that's actually a good thing. Uh, you know, I talk about this idea that we're all the sculptor and the sculpture of our life. We are the art and the artist. We're both the Mona Lisa and the Da Vinci at the same time and uh and and it is a sculpture that's constantly evolving constantly changing so if we go back to the idea of entrepreneurship and the fact that we are all different uh, i also say that we all have the talent of entrepreneurship and i did some research on this uh rather expensive (laughs) and i went to who, who first said what an entrepreneur is and a guy in the 1700s uh called john say baptist who says an entrepreneur is somebody who has some sort of a resource a resource and uh, and then manages it changes it with something of a higher yield that is you got something you change it with something better uh, then you know over time they introduced risk That's say you it's something that you have you take some risk, and you want to exchange it with something better. Well, if you look at all the different definitions, it's about an exchange. An exchange of what we have with something better. And isn't that what we do every day? Isn't that what my mother did The yours did? They took a paycheck and they exchanged it with something better. In that mm-hmm. case, it was family happiness. So uh, it's kind of entrepreneurship is the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's an, it's a, it's about an exchange and this exchange is whatever we have, whatever situation we have, doesn't matter if you're Elon Musk or, or, or we're somebody at school, we take what we have. We try to, we try to exchange that with something better knowing that, Hey, there's some risk. I so take, um, take a student, any student, uh, <laughs> college student. They spend lots of money. Maybe they borrowed it from their parents or they're going under debt, but they spent a lot of money to go to college. They spend hours and hours of investments of time and effort and getting prepared for tests and studying in hopes that what they have, their money and their resources and capabilities and investment of time, would turn into a college degree so that they can have a better life. So they have what... They take what they have in order to get something better, which is a degree, and have a better life. But there's no guarantee that if you have a degree, your life is going to be absolutely wonderful. There is a risk. So every student is an entrepreneur. Now, there's a different definition they talk about, um, uh, which is the, the, the lat, they say entrepreneurship is a combination of two words, entre and pretender. So entre being to undertake. And trender, meaning to understand or grasp. So if you, if you take on the, the, the act of undertaking understanding, simply to learn, you're an entrepreneur. So with that definition, every scientist is an entrepreneur. Every preacher is an entrepreneur. Every teacher is an entrepreneur. Every doctor is an entrepreneur. So the key is that talent is in us, in all of us. And it is genetic, you know, if you go back to a study done by, uh, uh, by uh, uh, some scientists at uh, Texas A&M, says that 500,000 years ago, the gene that, uh, that the humans developed is the gene to go, to discover. In other words, to exchange. Mm-hmm. Was developed. Why? Because we needed to survive. We needed to take change and turn ourselves into something better.
0: Yeah, adapt- adaptability. And,
1: correct. So we all have the talent. The key is, though, how do we paint or color this talent? And it's not necessarily always about uh, exchanging something for money. Uh, I, I I suggest that Gandhi was an entrepreneur. He took what he had, his resources and capabilities, uh, and tried to uh, create a different outcome. <laughs> Mm-hmm. May not be money. Uh I would suggest Martin Luther King was was an uh, entrepreneur. So was uh, so is obviously Elon Musk who takes the exchange is different. So all of us have the ability and the talent, and all of us have the ability to choose what we exchange for. What do we see as a higher yield?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you when you first so, came to the United States at uh, sixteen, what was it that you were looking to exchange for? Because obviously you exchanged—I mean, familiarity. You exchanged your family; they stayed behind. Uh, what was it that you were looking for, Sid, when you originally came over?
1: <laughs> That's an excellent question. So I tell you why I came here by myself, and I, the, the decision was made about when I was fifteen years old, and I had a stomach pain. I was at the, at, a, at, a, at a hospital. And they couldn't figure out what it was, but at there, you know, I started contemplating, I guess, uh, looking at the ceiling of the hospital bed. And I said, well, I want to go to the U.S. Uh, And from there, I started kind of the journey of doing it. And, you know, I got my own passport and all that. And my parents were absolutely 100% against it. And And it was based on an idea that my grandfather, who came from a smaller town to the capital in Iran, uh, had told my father, which was, small fish will grow in small waters. Big fish will grow in big waters. Mm-hmm. And I figured, I want to be a big fish. I want to be in big waters. So that was the impetus essentially behind my thing that there is the, there is a the bigger fish. There is, <laughs> I've got to travel through the river to get to an ocean. But uh, what i have found and this is interesting that uh, perhaps uh, at that time i was looking for the wrong thing it, the 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 ocean that i'm looking for is not necessarily outside of me or has anything to do with geography uh, it has to do with my mindset my oceanness how far can i create an ecosystem how how am I providing or connecting or energizing the society, the environment, the ecosystem that I live in? How well do I exchange with that society? So originally it may have been a geographical uh, perspective, but I think I've learned that it is actually more of a mental journey. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so take us take us through. I mean, where where did your journey really start when you came over to the states? And how did you go about? And I'm fast forwarding here. I mean, obviously, getting into just the idea and interest be, behind entrepreneurship, but obviously, you must have been an entrepreneur first and foremost. I mean, upon coming here, you know. Um, whoop, go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah. So, 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 Patrick, the the thing is that again, I'm saying we're all entrepreneurs. The mm-hmm. question is, how do we stimulate the talent that we have? So uh, my my father was very entrepreneurial, if you would. So when I was at home, my talent was always stimulated. In some families, you say that's not the case. You know, folks work in a certain, you know, nine to five, and they're not allowing themselves to practice the talent that they have. So, yes, I did have, uh, I, I guess, my, my entrepreneurial uh Talent more stimulated, uh, tickled if you would, uh, than than some others may have. Uh, and the idea was again this uh, whole idea of exchange. At every time when I came here, uh, I spoke very little English, uh, and uh, you know I went to a, uh, essentially a boarding school. Uh, and then uh, then we had faced uh, the the revolution in Iran, so there was no money or funding or support. Uh, uh, so we had to do something, We had to learn to make a living, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, slowly you get into, Hey, what do I have? Well, I have my thoughts and I have some capabilities and I'm not necessarily a big guy. And I can't, I can't do a, you know, furniture moving stuff <laughs> because mm-hmm. of my, you know, so I got to do something else. Uh, so you figure out what is the best resource and capabilities that you have to apply, and 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 first make a living, and then that practice also, if you go beyond it, allows you to kind of uh, think, uh, you know, what's the next step. I remember uh, I, I had at some point two master's degrees, and and, and I was uh, uh, and I was making a dollar and a half an hour, uh, you know, kind of moving boxes and and, and things of that sort and and it must have been like i would work for an hour and then i'll go to the corner you know fancy coffee place and and spend that dollar and a half on a cup of coffee <laughs> uh which made no sense but it it at, at sometimes it did because i could have conversations with people i was investing in my in in my network and in people so again it's a everybody has a personal uh personal journey and uh, and we all have uh, you know different uh, different ways of approaching things, and that's what I that's what I say. There's you know, multiple things that are that are important. One is that to be an entrepreneur is how do you deal with risk? Uh, and I say, hey, you have to be. It's uh, entrepreneurs are not risk takers; they are risk navigators.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they're risk navigators. I remember I sold the company to. Uh, to KPMG and we had an uh, discussion uh, you know they were uh, you know the head of risk for KPMG as you know it's a very big organization 160,000 people billions of dollars in revenue uh he was uh, kind of having a conversation with me you know and, and saying well you know we are a, we are a risk averse organization and and we don't take risks and uh and we are you know this and that and i said you know I think you guys take more risks than I do. I just navigate risk <laughs> because it's my money. I write the check. Your partners don't. <laughs> you take a risk on somebody else's dime. I take a risk with my own dime. And that makes it different. Every risk is very personal for an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's Not, it's not impersonal. And uh, so so one is, how do you navigate risk? And again, there's a spectrum, and I say it's like a pilot. If you are a commercial pilot, every time you fly, you're taking a risk. If people wouldn't risk, there would be no life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Man, there's you so much truth every... to that statement.
1: Yeah, if, if people do not risk, there is no, there's, there's no movement. There's no, no living. There's nothing, no living. Um, uh, so, but some of us, you know we have we, we, we're, we're like a commercial pilot. <laughs> There's a checklist of uh, you know key risks that that take. Now, let me ask you one question, Patrick. Who takes more risk? The pilot or the passenger?
0: Oh, man, that's a good question. To me, they're both taking equal risks because they're both in the plane, but ultimately the passengers exactly. are risking more because they're trusting in the pilot.
1: Well, so this gets to the heart of delegation. Sometimes I have to trust somebody else to be mm-hmm. the pilot, but a lot of times I have to be the pilot.
0: Yep, very true.
1: Yeah, so I, I've the always, quest, the quest. I was just yes. gonna
0: say, I've always said, man, I've always been a big believer personally myself in if I'm ever gonna take a risk, I'm always gonna roll the dice on myself if I can because I have 100% that's, confidence that's, that's in, in my own dice. Someone else's dice, yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, the, 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 thing is that you just have to build then your competency to reduce risk, your knowledge, your information, your, you know, all of those things would reduce risk mm-hmm. would allow you to navigate risk more. But without risk, there's no life. It's just like change. You know, a lot of people push against change. Uh, because they're addicted to sameness and this, they're comfortable. Let me propose to you that if we had every day was a spring, it was 73 degrees outside, it was all beautiful, the flowers were blooming, the birds are chirping, everything is wonderful, and we're doing whatever we wanted to do, whatever, whatever you think is the best thing. That is. But it was always the same if there was no change.
0: Yeah, it'd be pretty boring. It was
1: always the same. Your kids would always be five years old or seven years old or ten years old. You wouldn't have the opportunity to learn, to love, uh, to find a career. Nothing. Without change, there are no choices. Without choices, there's no progress. There's no pursuit of happiness.
0: Yeah, you're either always uncomfortably growing or you're comfortably miserable. <laughs> and, and, and many, and
1: that's that's exactly right.
0: Many people will choose the uh, ladder because they are familiar with it.
1: Uh, correct, and they don't believe that they are an entrepreneur. They don't believe that they are built to exchange, mm-hmm. genetically designed, genetically designed to evolve.
0: So, where Sid, explain, explain to the audience where did you kind of first start to, I mean, really develop this philosophy? I mean. Because, I mean we're we kind of we kind of stopped at the point where I mean you came over to the states you're 16, um, you came to college I mean man by the time you were what in your late 20s mid-20s you were already the partner on a I mean national management consulting firm So where we're kind sure. of in that process did you start to really run with the idea of starting to de- de- to develop the philosophy around um, entrepreneurship that you have now?
1: Uh, Patrick, I don't think that until later in life I realized that I was building a philosophy. Okay. I was just doing it. Yep. <laughs> right. I was just, you know, I was just playing a game. I was, I was, I was, you know, taking things as they would come. Uh, but when you step back out of the game and you look at it with an observer look, if you would, then you say, "Hey, look at this tapestry. These dots all connect. We, this is, this is. You've made these choices based on some parameter mentally." For example, I, uh, you know, I I, I always believe that uh, trust is an important thing. That I am who I am because people have trusted me, and people have trusted me because I have delivered and I have been a hundred percent on par on every case. I have no regret. If you would go back saying I've said something or done something or, uh, but that was in my DNA. I believed that if I am who I am, because that's all I have, my greatest asset is the in trust people invest in me. Because making a living in any way, uh, being an entrepreneur in any way, is not a solo act. Unless you think about what you want to build, you build it yourself, you market it to yourself, you sell it to yourself, and then you use it yourself. You need somebody else. You need somebody else. So this fact that we live in an ecosystem and that ecosystem operates on a, on a trust level was one of the fundamental things that I think I learned at the beginning. The other was, uh, you know, over time when I was, you mentioned that I was a partner of a consulting firm, um, I was the, actually the sixth to seventh Employee that got hired, and I became a partner six or seven years because I worked like a dog. I worked three thousand some hours a year, uh, but and I I had a what they call a closing ratio that every client that I would meet, ninety-seven uh, percent of the time I would secure that that engagement. Uh, but then I started my own consulting firm, uh, and I realized that. I, I, it wasn't me. It was the system that was getting me the 97% closing ratio for a year. And a half, I struggled. I, I could not get one project. Although I had the contacts, although, so you learn over time that certain things are, are important and sometimes you have to actually experience it. So I don't know when, when I got out, I had a pretty big ego. Um, and, and and then you know, kind of in steps, I started with uh, first uh, doing turnarounds of companies, uh, and then that led me to building, uh, uh, you know, looking at opportunities from the technology side and and building three or four different companies that were software solutions. So slowly, I've moved from uh, kind of position to position, from the founder, from a consultant to a founder. To, to, to be the guy who has to turn around a company, to an investor, which is uh, you know, a good period of uh, 10, 15 years of my life, I've been active in early stage investing uh, as, an, as an angel or running angel organization, having an, a venture fund uh, to, to do that. So slowly, by taking the different positions, uh, I've learned little things, if you would. And when you step back, then you could see, oh, look at this! All these, all these things connect. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was aware of those things when I was doing it, and this is this is the key, I could have probably been a lot more productive. But I wasn't aware. Yeah, it's I was just
0: doing it. yeah, it's amazing when you look back at the path that we've all taken, and I think a lot of people fail to do that, where they fail to yeah. look back at. Not just how the dots connect, but what are all the dots actually, and what led from one thing mm-hmm. to the next, to the next, to the next, to um, which is with, uh to what you really deem as important, and kind of what a lot of your work is based around is evolution, right? I mean, yeah, of how we exactly. evolve as people, as 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 entrepreneurs, like you said, every single one of us are. Um, what do you? What have you seen, Sid? As far as because I think there's kind of two big questions around entrepreneurship. Number one, I think, is, you know, what makes people actually take that leap? And number two is how do entrepreneurs, how do businesses, um, what separates the ones that really make it from the ones that don't? I think those are two burning questions around entrepreneurship. Just share kind of your thoughts or kind of your findings as far as what you've seen in in the businesses maybe that you've dove into um, around those items.
1: Yeah. So let's let's take the people side first because they are the engine of, of companies um, so I I, I kind of categorize people into uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship into into a few buckets one is the bucket of denial that is I'm not an entrepreneur uh, if Henry Ford is if Elon Musk is an entrepreneur ex boy I'm not mm-hmm. I, I, I have nothing to do with so to those people I say do this in order to stimulate yourself every day as you get out the, you know get out of the world go to work see how many decisions you're making look go from this street drive from here take this cup take that that, that go go over here uh, smaller decisions and guess what then look at the fact that you are taking a risk so you are exercising entrepreneurship in a smaller way. Mm-hmm. You have the talent, you're doing it. Now, the scope is different. The scope is, comes with, uh, with practice and so forth. Then we have the, the second bucket, which I call aspirational entrepreneurs, who are focused on uh, side hustles in a way, right? Yep. Uh, doing side hustles. They have, they've they realized that they got something but they don't trust it. They don't trust it, and they're afraid of failure.
0: Do you think it's, and that's it's fear. the um, yes? Do you, do you think it's what they have they don't trust, or it's themselves deep down that they don't trust? Uh,
1: I, I think they don't trust that they have the ability and they're qualified for this exchange. Okay, they don't. They don't trust that. And, and I think the flip side of it, or the other side of it, is the is is the fear that, hey, if I lose, if I go this way, if I leave my job, if I try to do something different, then how is my life going to be? I'm not going to have any money. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. And and the fear of failure becomes an issue.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's something so, liberating, there's, though, man, about knowing that it's all on you. You know, it's, yeah. it's terrifying. It's nerve-wracking. It's anxious. It's stressful. But it's also like... It's on you. If if you if you're going to make it happen, you got to do it. And there's something that I love about that myself.
1: Yeah. So there is the realization uh, because it is on you. When you realize that it is on you, so you begin to look at life differently. You change your glasses in terms of how you look at situations. When you don't think that it's on you, when you don't think that you have the capability to change the world or change yourself or change what at least your environment is your originality, then, then you feel like a victim. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you realize that it is, that's a fact. You are, <laughs> you you have all the choices. Everything you can make the changes, or you can embrace the changes. In either way, you have to make a choice. You make the choice, and you have to live with the consequences of those choices. There is no ifs and buts about it. So either we don't leave change to chance, which is what you mentioned I say all the time, or we we leave it to chance and and kind of then we don't have anything to say why it happened this way. Well, it happened because we didn't make a choice. Somebody else made the choice for us.
0: Yeah, one of the best phrases I've heard that I love is design your your own life curriculum. You know, don't leave don't yeah. leave it to chance. <laughs> don't let somebody else design yep. the life that you that you desire, they don't. They don't know what you want and need. You know, design your own. Yeah,
1: yeah that's exactly right. And but but there is one thing that uh, that that you know that I say that sometimes it rubs some folks the wrong way. I'm I'm against this uh, vision board thing. You're familiar with the vision board idea, Pat?
0: Yes, I love it actually.
1: <laughs> but uh-huh. explain, explain your reasoning. I'd love I to know. hear why. <laughs> so I, I know because a lot of people do. A lot of people who are focused and have agendas and have growth and goals, they, they like it. Here's the problem. If you're thirty years old and you put some visions and some things on a on a board, you don't have the experience to know and the capabilities to know what your vision really is. Let your vision evolve. Mhm. Don't be stuck with, hey, at 30, at 20, at, at, at some age, at some with the experiences and the knowledge and the capabilities at that point, I decided that I would like to have a house uh, uh, you know, by the beach. Well, that may not be the thing that should drive my life. That may not be the best thing for me because I've evolved. I met somebody and I loved and, and that person lives in a city and not at the beach. <laughs> so let, let yourself evolve. You mm-hmm. don't have to be falling in love with a vision because you thought at that experience level, you know, you put it on a, on, a, on a piece of paper. It's okay to have goals, but your goals have to evolve. Otherwise, you don't evolve. Yeah, I I would
0: a hundred percent agree with you, and I see exactly what you're saying. Because yes, you can't you can't become so obsessed with these defined goals or end of the road goals that you'll do whatever you have to do to get to those. Because you'll miss opportunities, yep. you'll miss evolution. And man, yep. I, I I have gone through that personally myself. Where you have to just kind of you have those goals for down the road, but you have to be open to just trusting the process and making decisions along the way where you trust your gut and you invest in yourself and things lead to other things and new opportunities. And I think nine times out of 10, you end up getting close to where you wanted to ultimately end up, you know, kind of begin with the end in mind philosophy a little bit, but there's going to be multiple paths you can take kind of along that way too.
1: That's right. You know, the thing is, uh, there are so many options and opportunities ahead. Uh, you know, I use uh, I use a, a more of a mathematical <laughs> uh, uh, example analogy to uh, to show you this. Imagine, uh, Patrick, two lines, two two points, point A and point B, uh, and then draw a line between these uh, points mm-hmm. from point A to point B. How many How many points are between point A and B on that line? mathematically they are infinite.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Okay, so now imagine a point anywhere between A and B. Wherever you want to draw, let's call it C. How many our points are between C and A and how many points between C and B?
0: Still infinite.
1: The same. It's
0: mm-hmm. still infinite.
1: So now imagine A is when you're born, B is when we die. Imagine C being any any time, at any age, 8, 18, 80 years old, there are infinite number of points behind us. Those were the decisions, instances that we could have changed our lives. And there are an equal number, infinite number of instances and opportunities ahead of us. Infinite number of opportunities for us to change, for us to evolve, for us to make a decision, for us to change the path equal number as the past. Now, the opportunities are not the same because we never stepped into the same river twice. The water is flowing. We should never go into the same thing. We're not different. The world is indifferent. Our knowledge is indifferent. Our experiences are indifferent. So it's not the same opportunity, but it's equally potent. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are a lot of opportunities ahead of us. And by having, by saying this is the vision, that is the only vision. That's the only thing that I realize is an opportunity. you have missed all those instances. Yeah. Now this is not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals, but I'm saying give yourself the opportunity to evolve your goals. Yes. And how to change based on circumstances.
0: And how does a person do that? I mean, based on what you've seen, I mean, Everything you've been around, your experiences, because I think that is one of the hardest parts, Sid, is how do you, you know, the hardest part, I think, is getting yourself to open up to just that possible evolution and the change that's going to happen along the way. Because like you said, people are fearful of it. People think I have to get to this point. There's only one way to maybe get there. And we miss everything in between that involves happiness, balance, fulfillment, all of those things. I think along that that's journey. Right. So, how? What is your advice for people that are really looking to? You know, how do I start to embrace that ability to change, kind of from that point A to point B, and and have fun along the way too? Because that's really what life is about.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, again. That's why I say uh, entrepreneurship is pursuit of happiness because we want to go from one point to another to be happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, somebody may define happiness as uh, more money. Somebody may define happiness as having a house by the uh, you know ocean. Somebody may ha- define happiness by taking the kids uh, to Disneyland every week.
0: What's happiness to you, Sid? Uh,
1: happiness to me is this, uh, if you look at my life, this is a good, good, good question. Uh, if you look at my life, I like to be involved in so many things at the same time. I like the creativity of being... Involve making something new. I, 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 as as I said, exchanging all the time. Mm-hmm. I like I like working on six things. And now more and more, my happiness is 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 seeing and guiding and mentoring entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That is that is my thing now, because I fundamentally believe if we realize each individual realizes what are what our capabilities and talents are. The, the possibilities of innovation are endless, particularly where we are in the times that we live in now.
2: Yep. These
1: are amazing times.
0: Yeah, you're, you're speaking exactly to my passion and my big why as well. Actually, I just had a discussion this morning, literally with somebody about this. They asked me, you know, what's my big why? And I said, you know, my big why came from the idea of I wasn't personally happy, balanced, and fulfilled And until I left my comfort zone and really branched out to find what it was or why I wasn't that, um, you know, then I kind of took that from there. I kind of the evolution started. I guess is how you could put it best. And it's (laughs) and it's the evolution that I needed um, to start to find those things. And my big passion and why is helping other people find that as well. And extract the most out of out of themselves because ultimately, you know, happiness is found in two things. You know, it's it's human nature. Two things: helping other people and self-actualization, reaching your full potential.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and those two could be very very closely connected.
2: Mm-hmm. If,
1: if you would, you you as, as you help others or as you help others see. Uh, now, in whatever way you do it, that's by the way, very, very personalized as well. Um, you are, you are evolving. You are changing from one form to another. With some, you know, uh, the, you know, I mentioned the sculptor and the sculpture, and you are the sculptor and, and you are the sculpture. But this sculpture, uh, uh, you, you're always chiseling away from it. You're, you're always shaping it, and it's, it's never perfect. It's mm-hmm. are never perfect. None of us are. And, uh, you mentioned something about this idea that, uh, uh, about moving away from where you are and realizing that, you know, you have same addictions to sameness or comfort zones that you have. The first chapter of, uh, uh, my last book, not this new one, uh, it's called The the Caterpillar's Edge. It's called The Addiction. Um, uh, you know, we are addicted to sameness because it's comfortable for mm-hmm. us because it, it, it gives us that uh, known. Now, the way to, to deal with addiction, the first thing is to say, My name is Sid, and I am addicted. <laughs> I am an alcoholic. That's the first thing. So, the first thing is to realize that you are addicted to the same behavior. If you don't do that, then the rest of the journey cannot begin. You have to take that's the first step. Now, when you do that, then you've given yourself the power of saying, hmm, if I'm addicted to this, then I have to make choices to be something else. I have to make choices to be something else. I have to exchange. And therefore, that starts, the, the if you would, it ignites the process of realizing that you have the responsibility. Now, which direction you go, that's okay. I call it the purposeful loss. As long as you have a purposeful loss. purposeful is the key not just wonder for the sake of wondering. Your purpose may be learning. Your purpose may be exploring yourself. Your purpose may be whatever, whatever that purpose is. But as long as it's, you're wondering with a purpose to find something, to discover something and to exchange that with something better, then that is the path of growth. Mm -hmm. That way you leave the addictions behind.
0: You know, I, I think of a t-shirt I actually saw somebody wearing the other day and it said, not all who wander are lost. And it, it, I immediately <laughs> thought of that as you were speaking. And then I also think of the the sculptor and sculpture analogy. And I love that because what I found, Sid, and you can, you can kind of give me your, your perspective on this, but I have found, you know, I've been a teacher, I've been a coach my entire life in some way, shape, or form. And what I find is as we are chiseling away others, helping reveal themselves, helping reveal who and what they are to those people, you're also doing it on yourself at the exact same time. You know, you find you find that you You are a
1: thousand percent correct. A thousand percent correct.
0: Yep. And I've I've always found that that to be the beautiful thing about teaching and coaching others. You know, as I work with businesses and stuff now, you know, I I'm helping them evolve, but it's so fun. It's it's such a neat um, process because I am constantly evolving through that process as well because of it
1: that's right that's right so let me let me share another idea with you that uh, that may be a little bit uh, off to the side uh, you know we all we all talk about who's your mentor who, who do we have as a mentor or a coach now coach and mentors are important I've had many uh, who have guided my life but uh, here's a new new finding in for, for me. There's a term, in, 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 I believe it's in Hindu, uh, called uh, upguru. You know, the guru being the guru that, that you follow and people believe. Up guru means the guru near me. The guru near me. So I have, I have learned that everyone can be your guru. We all have a guru at all times next to us. It's not the mentor that's important, it's the mentee. Mm-hmm. It's are we, are we trying to learn? You just mentioned that you remembered a T-shirt. That message on that T-shirt could have been teaching you something, and it did. Mm-hmm. Because you remembered.
0: If you're open to
1: it, too. At bumpers, yes, if that's the key. So it's not the mentor that's important. It's the mentee and your openness. It is your openness. If you're open, you could learn from anything,
2: mm-hmm. from Absolutely. any
1: situation from anyone. And if you're not open to it, you could have the best coaches and you will never learn. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did somebody say to me the other day? Um, another one that I love. Um, the teacher arrives when the student is ready.
1: That's right. That's right. That's a, that's an old Chinese uh, uh, saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And, and exactly coming back to what you said a little bit ago about how The first step is admitting it, you know, and being open to. Hey, I'm open to evolving. I'm open to changing. I'm open to growing. I'm open to learning, you know. Until you ever, until you're willing to do that, you are going to be spinning, looking for something. I truly believe.
1: That's right. That's right. So you know, I uh, the You Are Not Them book starts with a poem, which is, you know, you are the sculptor and the sculptor. So it's, a, it's not your regular business book type of stuff. So there's lots of poetry and lots of, lots of things in it, from Rumi to Plato to, you, know, you, you name it. But one of the things that, that I also have uh, start this uh, book is, is that you have to be, it, this is not a how-to way. As I said, it's not, life is not, you can't, uh, you can't learn by a book how to live. In business, yes, you need to uh, know how to uh, read a, a financial statement. There are ways of marketing. There are ways of manufacturing something that are those are true. Those are how tos. But a collection of some of those how tos does not make you a good or bad entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Does not make you succeed. It's just a collection of stuff, right? So, in order to be able to begin, first you have to. Be an unwritten letter. An unwritten letter. Because if you are a letter that's written, a page of paper that's filled with things, there's no place to write new ideas. So the place to start is not only saying, hey, let me realize that I'm addicted to certain things, I'm, I'm, I'm just in my comfort zone, and, and that's where I am, and it's stopping my growth, but then I have to be an open, unwritten letter a field, if you would, a farm, where it's not all, you know, uh, there's not corn planted everywhere, but there's, then there's no room for you to plant anything new.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to
0: approach. You
1: have it. to be a fall field.
0: Well, I was just going to say, you got to approach every single day with that mindset of, hey, what's going to come at me today that I can learn from? How can I evolve? How can Correct. I grow
1: today? Yep. Yep. How can I take what I have and exchange it with something better?
0: Yeah, I, I love the exchange, the exchange analogy because yeah. it's it's all making sense now. Because it is you're exchanging time, you're exchanging money, you're exchanging feelings. It's exactly. always one thing for another.
1: Yes. Always one thing for another, with the hopes that what the other is would be better than what you had, and you're taking a risk because you're not sure.
0: Well, I know, I know because you just life.
1: It's probabilistic.
0: Yeah, I know you discuss a lot of this in your previous book, The Caterpillar's Edge, Evolve, Evolve Again and Thrive, which, by the way, um, anyone listening is, is a top 100 business and strategy book on Amazon. So absolutely check that one out. But I want you to touch on uh, your new book, You Are Not Them. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of the uh, focus around it.
1: Um, Yeah, so so as you mentioned, the the first book uh, came, frankly, out of a series of uh, frustrations on the personal side as I was dealing with lots of entrepreneurs as well as lots of big companies in terms of how they were evolving. And there's a lot of things around this data and analytics and how things are changing and AI and all that. And it kind of uh, pushed me towards writing that, and it started with a bunch of uh, articles and so forth. And it was intended for, uh, essentially, uh, an audience of CEOs and so forth. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and then, uh, so that was a different focused book. Uh, but from that point, uh, I saw a lot of people came to me and said, you know, Sid, we really love the book, but we're not a CEO. We, it really changed our, and I realize that it is not, the advice is not just for CEOs and and for board folks and so forth. This is, this is about how we live day to day, who we are, Uh, because the success of a business has to do with the mindset that people take to that business. The business doesn't succeed with people. The business is a vehicle for people to exchange to express themselves, to evolve. So with kind of that thought, I began to kind of say, well, let's focus on the entrepreneur. Let's focus on who we are. And that's the essence of the uh, of, of the new book, the uh, the You Are Not Them, which begins with this idea. I mean, the, the book actually begins with the conclusion, chapter called Conclusion. Uh, and, and, and then it follows with a series of thoughts about It's not about how to, but it's about shaping your what I call PEP or personal entrepreneurship philosophy. Mm -hmm. And this personal entrepreneurship philosophy has a few legs, if you would, that you need. One is, I mentioned, being a pilot. How do you see uh, risk? How do you navigate risk? What are the elements of it? And I use, uh, again, lots of analogies. This, This book is filled with analogies because that's the way I talk. That's the way I think. Uh, you know, there's lots of uh, lots of great uh, feedbacks, and I'm humbled by some of the uh, you know people who have talked about the book, you know, leaders and so forth. But uh, but also from people who have provided reviews on uh, on Amazon uh, about uh, this thing that it seems like I'm I'm speaking to you, <laughs> not at you. Uh, so it's more more like lots of analogies. Uh, and lots of personal experiences and examples of, hey, uh, here's what I think about uh, this idea, and let's take this situation. Uh, so it's about building your personal philosophy, uh, being a pilot. Uh, I talked about uh, being an ocean, creating that oceanness. ness uh, Also, I, I talk about uh, execution as being a dancer, as opposed to, uh, you know, a lot of people say we're well, fighting against things, or uh, life is a, is a struggle. It's a struggle when you don't realize that you could dance with it. Uh, it's about timing. It's about uh, you know being relevant and all that sort of stuff. So I I use the analogy of a dancer to to discuss business execution. Uh, then there is talks about how do you find your leadership and what is leadership and uh, the the key elements of things that you need to again make a decision the idea is here's a menu a list of things and i explore each one but you pick what you want you are who you are and you go from your originality uh, for your origins whatever that is to your originality i'm just giving you a many of possible options of how to build this your 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 philosophy Mm -hmm. by by picking different pieces of the puzzle and putting it together and this book uh, which makes you the authentic you
0: and this book necessarily is not for someone that is an entrepreneur, wants to be an entrepreneur. I mean, it is for literally anybody. Correct.
1: That that, that is correct. So so let me tell you the uh, my entrepreneurial journey in building this, uh, shaping this book or writing the book. Uh, I started by writing sections and, and, and pieces. You know, a few pages here, a few pages there, and then I thought, hmm. I'm sitting in my office and in my room and I'm writing all this stuff. I don't know if it makes sense to people. So I, I started with a group of five or 10 and which grew to about 50 people in different places. Some were young, some were students, some were CEOs of you know mil, uh, million dollar companies, some were uh, working as a, as a loan officer at different places with different people. Mm-hmm. And I would share these pieces with them and I would get their feedback. And and then after the book was written, then I shared the pieces with them again to get their feedback. And what I found was this, which was uh, which was very interesting and and in a way pleasing to me. The people who were the younger, they said, "Boy, this is really motivating. It is phenomenal, and uh, and I, I really get it. I, I I see all of this stuff, and I'm starting to shape my own." Philosophy and so forth, but I don't know how that would apply to somebody who is an old timer entrepreneur or runs companies. Mm-hmm. I see myself as a, as a, you know, as a young entrepreneur or somebody who has a desire to be or just wants to understand it. Or I don't want to be an entrepreneur, but I can see this in my daily life. And then when you go to when I went to the people who are CEOs that run big companies and have hundreds of people, you know, employees or thousands of employees. They would say, I can really see how this relates to me. I can see a lot of stuff in here. I relate to me, my experience, but I don't know if a a young entrepreneur would get it. Interesting. The interesting part was that both groups saw themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And that to me was a a really pleasing, (laughs) if you would, outcome. So as you said, yes, it is relevant uh because you would read the book with your filter, if you would, with your glasses on. Mm-hmm. The way you like to take what you want to take from.
0: It. Yeah, if we if essentially if we're all entrepreneurs, we're all building our own philosophy over time. And it's a yeah. work in progress constantly.
1: That's right. So and then and then I talk a little bit about this whole purposeful wonder loss that we discussed. I talk also about actuating your mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is it's something that's uh, you know that's on top of mind a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people, and I argue that mindfulness is okay, being aware, being in the now is good, but it's not enough. You have to take that mindfulness and activate it and actuate it so it turns from ideas and comfort and knowing to doing. That's where the results are. Mm-hmm. The results are not in us sitting in a room and contemplating about things, it's in actually realizing a vision. Innovation doesn't happen if we think of something. Innovation happens when it is realized.
0: Yeah, execution is key.
1: Correct. Correct. Interesting, okay. And mindfulness begins not only in, in at, at, at design stage, but it has to be at every level of execution. Mindfulness of people, of their outcomes, of their situations. Mindfulness of our own situations. Mindfulness of what it takes to go the last mile. Right? So it's it's not a state of, uh, you know, as, as people say, well, I'm mindful of things. Or, no, I, I, you know, these days they, they use a lot of, well, I want to mastermind on this and, and think about this. Okay, fine. Thinking is good. Doing is better.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's better to do. And realize that you did wrong than to sit yep. there and never do anything. Yep. That's right.
2: That's Interesting. Exactly right. That's
0: right. Well, Sid, I want to, um, I absolutely want to thank you for hopping on here today. I think you bring up some phenomenal points around, man, just the importance of evolving as a person, how everything in life is an exchange. And like you said at the through, throughout the episode here, we're all entrepreneurs to some extent in our life, whether we are true entrepreneurial business owners or whether we are just exchanging, looking for that balance, fulfillment, happiness in life. So where where can our listeners find and follow you, Sid?
1: Uh, I, uh, my, my last name, mohaseb.com, goes to my site. Mohaseb, the speaker, goes to my speaker site. Uh, my, uh, my email is just my first name and last name, sid at com, which is uh, M-O-H-A-S-S-E-B. Dot com and uh, and my book is on Amazon both of them uh, is on Amazon actually uh, a student of mine uh, had uh, liked the book in China and uh, uh, and the book is uh, the my first book is also translated to Chinese
0: I saw that actually uh,
1: which 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 is which looks really good except uh, to be honest Patrick I have no idea what's in it. <laughs> So it all looks Chinese to me. No
2: pun intended. Uh, is, I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: no pun intended, really. Uh, so all of that is, is also on, uh, uh, on Amazon, and, and folks can, uh, can get it. I hope they would get it, enjoy it, reach out to me uh, with their thoughts and, uh, uh, and ideas as well.
0: Yeah. Abs- yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Our audience listeners. Uh, yeah. Be sure to reach out to Sid. We'll put all his information in the so in the show notes um, as usual. But a big thanks again to you, Sid, for hopping on here, man. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, it
1: was absolutely my pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You bet.
0: And with that, don't forget to follow me, everybody, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook at Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, Appreciate everybody listening, tuning into this episode. Be sure to subscribe to rate the podcast uh, and take a screenshot of today's show. Tag myself, tag Sid, share it with somebody um, that maybe needs to evolve. So until next time, I want to remind you to
2: own you and the journey.